0: Well, um, I was sharing with uh, somebody earlier today. Today is December 20th, which is a big day in our, our, our family. Uh, we have a birthday that we're celebrating, but it's also the day that we drove from Centralia to Mountain Home. One year ago today. So I should applaud you for putting up with me for a whole year. Uh, you know. Thank you, Ron, uh, uh, but, and thank my family for uh, being just um, such a support. Um, and I just want to, again, on behalf of the staff, say thank you to you for following us and for um, being our church family. Um, to to work at a church, to serve at a church is is a humbling thing, for I feel like I'm served as much as I serve. Uh, And so, thank you for being my church family and and for walking with us and and loving us so well. Um, It's truly a blessing for us. Uh, Today, uh, for our text, we turn to the Gospel of Luke. Um, Luke serves as one of of two Gospels that recount the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, And and Luke is is by far the more more detailed account. Um, But for this fourth Sunday of, of Advent, the lectionary turns our attention to the time before Jesus's birth, uh, when when Mary was visited by the by the angel Gabriel, so if you would turn with me in your Bibles or point your devices to Luke chapter one, uh, today we're starting in verse uh, twenty six and reading through verse thirty eight. As you are able, out of reverence for the reading of God's word, would you please stand um, as we uh, as we read the the text this morning? A reading from Luke chapter one. <clears throat> When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Mary, God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So we've we finally arrived at Advent 4. Uh, Christmas is just around the corner. I talked a little bit about this in Advent 1, the first week of, of Advent, how there's this waiting, there's this anticipation that we have in the church. There, there's this sense of the importance of, of expecting Christ to come, and, and how our, our Advent journey takes us back into the story of Israel, who had to wait hundreds and hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. And there's this longing, this, this yearning for Christmas to come. Um, and, and even as we go through Advent and we come to, to church, the, the, the Advent hymns that we sing aren't very Christmassy sometimes, right? Like, oh, come, oh, come. Ye. That's not joy to the world. That's not hark the herald angels sing. And that's on purpose, uh, there, there's a point to that. There, there's, there's a reason for that. Now, once we hit Christmas Eve, I'm just letting you know it's like no holds bars, it, it, no, no, holds barred. It's full on Christmas. Uh, and so you'll, you, if you come on Christmas Eve, you'll hear uh, the traditional hymns and the Christmas songs that are filled with joy because the baby has arrived, and we get to celebrate that. And actually, as you follow the church calendar year, there is the 12 days of Christmas. And so as we, as we head past Christmas and as we have uh, several Sundays of Christmas to come... As we lead up to Epiphany, you might hear a few more Christmas songs as we, as we go through there uh, and through that time. So I'm just warning you that if you come on Christmas Eve, you're gonna get all those Christmas hymns. So, uh, so please come, it'll be great, it'll be wonderful. Um, and I, I'm, I'm yearning, I'm longing to sing those joyous songs, and yet I also know the importance of the wait, I know the importance um, of the anticipation. As we, as we start today though i want, I want to talk about a different kind of anticipation um, that perhaps you 've heard of before um, this was i never I never participated in in one of these, but have you heard of these things called gender reveal parties yeah. okay there 's some chuckling going on, which means some of you have heard them so so i 'm not an expert i 've never done this. Um, some family friend gets told or some, somebody in the know gets told whether a pregnant couple is having a boy or a girl. Then someone bakes a pink cake or fills a balloon with blue confetti or, or gets an exploding baseball that somebody hits with a bat and, and boom, you cut into the cake or you pop the balloon or, or something happens and, and it's supposed to be blue and it's supposed to be pink. Now, The truth of the matter of gender reveal parties is twofold, okay? Number one, everybody, everybody in the room, everybody present is excited to be in on the moment when mom and dad find out whether the baby is a boy or a girl, right? Everybody, it's just an honor to be there. You got invited and you can't wait to see. Truth number two, gender reveal fails are truly a thing, beautiful thing to watch and, and and secretly, deep down inside, you're hoping that the one that you're at is going to totally botch and make it onto YouTube uh, and, and, and be the next viral video. Now, I'm warning you that if you search gender reveal fails, um, you're going to be stuck at your computer for several minutes while you're laughing at, at situations and scenarios that didn't quite go as planned. Now, there's... Um, several minutes probably yes um depending on your attention span but um man there's some where you know the balloon is filled with helium and it's all prepped and the the popping doesn't go well and then it floats up in the air and they're like okay well I guess we don't get to find out whether it's a boy or girl today um the, uh, there's people falling and tripping and doing all sorts of things that are really funny. Um, but there are uh, just so many, so many great, great videos out there. Um, but the beginning of of new life is such an expectant time. The, the genesis, the formation of a new family, is is rich and powerful and potent. And for those that get to attend, those that get to be there, it's an it's an amazing moment to be part of that. The truth in in, in the in the Gospel of Luke is that it starts out with with grief and a pain that is just as powerful on the painful side. And it starts with Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and their inability to start a family, the story uh, of not being able to conceive. If you have walked beside a couple who is, has struggled to become pregnant, uh, the pain and the grief is, is very real. Very intense, and with statistics today of, of people who have struggled, there's several in this room probably that, that have walked that journey and, and know the pain of that moment, and it's, it's very real, very, very palpable, but this journey of barrenness and, and infertility is not new in the story of God. For those of us who, who know some of, some of the stories that we find in the Old Testament, um, God providing Elizabeth with a baby reminds us a, of a lot of Old Testament stories that we come across too. Uh, there's the story of Abraham and Sarah in, in Genesis, um, or Abram and Sarai, who, who were promised that their descendants would outnumber the stars. You remember that story where, where Abraham is sitting under the stars looking at the vastness of of, of the night sky and all the stars that are present there. And God gives him this promise. Your descendants will outnumber even the stars. How could this be? They had no kids. They hadn't even gotten started. Uh, and she would progress in age and get very old before that promise is fulfilled in the, in the birth of their son, Isaac. Isaac. Um, Hannah was barren, and First Samuel prayed, prayed fervently at temple, said, uh, I, and she makes this promise, and it's a bold promise, kind of a, an audacious promise, right? If she con- conceives, she's going to, to dedicate this baby from birth as a Nazarite, not a Nazarene, a Nazarite, and, and consecrate this child to the Lord. The Lord honors her prayer. Gives her what she wants. Uh, she, she conceives and has a baby and she, she honors her promise to turn this baby over to the temple to be a Nazarite. And to, and to live in the temple there. Eventually he would succeed Eli and become the, the final judge of Israel. Samuel uh, and, and anoint David as king and usher in uh, the season of Israel where they lived under kingly rule. Uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah's story echo this pattern. They, they resemble what we have come to expect in the Old Testament. It would be a, a story that, that, that ties together both uh, the Old Testament, the story of the ancient texts breaking in upon the now. For Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were both faithful and devout Jews following the priestly traditions, um, serving in the temple, but unable to have children, and, and advanced in years. We don't spend a lot of time with this couple, but you can hear the pain of their hearts. You can hear the disappointment that has followed their lives, the unfulfilled expectations. But this devout couple is visited by Gabriel and told to expect a child a child is coming. A child is on its way. And the way the gospel writer sequences this, these events, there's there's an undeniable bond between what Zechariah and Elizabeth went through and what Mary went through. There, there's this connection between Elizabeth's visit from the angel Gabriel and Mary's visit. But the rules seem to have changed a bit. There are similarities there, but but they seem to have changed. Angel comes to announce, uh, and, and there's this miraculous birth. This is, this is shared in common with both of these. But Mary represents something new to the story, something that is unexpected, something that we haven't seen before. First of all, the, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. This is the first time that, that uh, in, in one of these conception stories, in one of these these unexpected Baby's arrival, the Holy Spirit is present. There's this sense that the Trinity is coming into play in the midst of even the conception of Christ's, the announcement of Christ's conception. Uh, this pregnancy is wholly, unex- uh, wholly and completely unexpected. Uh, so many times as we hear stories in the Bible of of a woman who cannot conceive, a woman whose womb is barren, there's this longing and this this crying out to God, God, why has this happened to me? God, take this from me, help me. That wasn't Mary's prayer at all. <laughs> That's not what she was thinking at all. As, as we think about Mary, as, as we read and study, we, we understand that she was probably a teenage girl. Maybe 13, 14, 15 years old. Just a teenage girl. Pledged to be married to Joseph. And this isn't what she wanted, this wasn't on her radar yet, not what she expected. And that's unique. There's this sense that God is doing something new. Third thing that that is really new and unique in this story is there isn't a couple involved. There isn't a mom and a dad already. There isn't a married couple involved, which poses significant risk for Mary. Socially, it would be difficult to talk about. Difficult to understand what's going on. Uh, puts her at risk in, in, in her security and, and moving forward. Um, for Mary and her future and how she would be viewed in the community. And according to, to, to Jewish law and custom, she could be punished for this pregnancy. What, what do you do with that? How do you respond to this kind of news? Mary, you're going to have a baby. I love how this account really focuses in on the, the, the Mary story, the Mary side of, of this story and who she is and how she responds to what happens in this chapter. Uh, she, she seems to be this ordinary Jewish girl, engaged to be married, but her willingness and her obedience Set her apart as anything but ordinary. Anything as ordinary. She leaves town with this news, right? She was told that her cousin Elizabeth had, had conceived as well, um, which I wonder if she had even heard about. It sounds like she hadn't. It sounds like this was news to her. They didn't have Jewish Facebook back then or anything, you know, to announce, hey, I'm pregnant, then post a gender reveal video. Elizabeth hadn't. But she leaves town with this news and wants to go be with her elder relative who is pregnant. And there's this incredible encounter when Mary shows up. uh, A beautiful song that she she responds. uh, As you read down through the account of Luke, I I encourage you later this week to read through the the rest of Luke chapter 1. Mary shows up and, and the baby inside Elizabeth's womb just reacts to Mary's arrival. And she breaks out in song following that with a a section of scripture called the Magnificat, Luke 1, 46 through 55. It says she stays a few months. She stayed until it was time for Elizabeth to give birth. Um, And and eventually we learn that Elizabeth gives birth to John the Baptist who would pave the way for Jesus' ministry in Galilee. But she stays a few months and returns home about three months later, likely beginning to show pregnancy as she returns as you marry this story with the version of the account that we find in Matthew which is very Joseph centered if you if you look at look at the account of the birth narrative in 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 Matthew it's very Joseph centered Um, I wonder if Joseph knew about the pregnancy when she left I don't know but but it adds a whole new color to realize that for these first three months of her pregnancy she just got out of town she went to go get support, to offer support, and to get support from her relative, Elizabeth. Returning home, Matthew reveals that Joseph intended to divorce her quietly, not to shame her, not to punish her, until Gabriel shows up to Joseph. But it's, a, it's an interesting uh, timeline, if you will, as you, as you watch uh, and piece together what this couple went through. Well, Lucas, Luke continues to focus on, on Mary, and it's fascinating to me. There's uh, one author I read this, this week, Cynthia Rigby, writes, for, for Roman Catholics, for, for those theologians that, that come from a Roman Catholic tradition, they understand Gabriel's greeting of, of Mary being highly favored as highlighting Mary's extraordinary nature. That, that, that Mary was just something um, completely... Um, set apart. Uh, Mary is unlike everyone else. She's sinless. She's the virgin mother. But she goes on to say that for for Protestant theology, by contrast, the extraordinary thing about Mary is precisely her ordinariness. And that the mystery of the invitation that God extends to us is the same that God extended to Mary. That, That we get to participate with God in bringing Jesus to this world. Mary was an ordinary but willing vessel to be used by God to bring Christ to this world. That's why we get to work alongside of God. That's why we participate with God. Sometimes God confuses me. I don't, I don't get it. Why does God trust us so much? Why? why does God, Why would God choose us? Why would he trust us? Because he sees the good in Amen. I believe that's true. The truth is that in the coming of the Christ child, in the coming of Jesus Christ, the blessing of highly favored is not reserved for Mary, but extended to all of us. God is breaking in upon a season of a long silence where where there had been no prophets, where there had been no counsel, where there had been no direction from God. Not with a judge, not with a new king or kingdom, not a prophet to point the way. But this time God says, I'm going to send Emmanuel. I'm going to send God with us. A whole new way of God coming to earth. Not as a prophet who stands and declares, not as a king who will point us in the right direction, but coming as a baby. Coming as a child. And the coming of the Christ child comes in the setting, in the context of what? A family. A family is how Christ comes. What a beautiful picture. That the coming of Messiah is not announced by trumpets, not called out but on the streets of Jerusalem by a palace guard or a crier. It, it, it's been a while ago. I remember when, when uh, Prince George was born to the royal family. It was just this odd thing where they had, they had like this gold easel that they put out in front of the palace and there was this little announcement. It was like this clash of two worlds because, you know, the media, and the internet's blowing up about Prince George and they have this easel. (laughs) It's like, okay, well. That wasn't how Messiah was announced. Messiah was entrusted to a teenage girl. Who was herself invited to participate with God in ushering in a new reality, a new truth for all of us that we're all highly favored by God, that, that God's gift through Mary was for us all, through a helpless and innocent child, nurtured where? In a family, in a family of all places. This is the creation of a new family, the family of God. And this is new. This is God doing something new, unlike anything that had happened before. The Jewish culture, the way of Israel, had been so based on lineage, on on who your family was and where you came from. Mary had no status. In the Gospel of Matthew, did you know that the the, the lineage of Matthew, the, the, the time that they spend the whole lots of the whole first chapter are 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 an account of how Matthew is, or sorry, how how Joseph is connected to David, that that was important for the Jewish tradition, but this child is only Joseph's by adoption. Entrusted by the angel's visit to, to the man who had it in his mind to divorce Mary quietly. But Mary is the one who would carry the child. Mary is the one, the God called highly favored. Mary is the one who chose to participate with God in bringing Christ to this world. And that is our invitation as well but Jesus changed the idea of family too. Do you remember later in his ministry, Jesus will ask, well, who is my father? Who is my mother? Who is my sister or brother? He answered that question. Thankfully, he said, those who do the will of my father are my brother and sister and father and mother. This is the establishment of a new family, the family of God. Rooted and held not by chromosomes and genes, but established in the Holy Spirit. Which we all share as followers of Christ. And This is where we see the breaking in of the love of God. Extended first to Mary and then to Joseph as willing participants in this new family. But eventually extended to us all. We can participate in this family. We are invited to participate in this family as well. And I'm aware the sad reality uh, in, in some families, maybe in many families today, is that they don't all reflect well the love that God intended family to mean. And for family to hold. Uh, they don't reflect well the gift of, of, of the, the love that's supposed to be shared among family. For, for many of us, we do encounter that in our families. But this extension of family is brand new. And it's consistent for us all. It doesn't follow the rules and the patterns of this world. But says, you are welcome in the family of God. You, who are highly favored can participate with God in bringing about the family that God intended for all of us to be loved and nurtured in In this world. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up as we, as we close. This is, this is no gender reveal that we've read today. This is a family reveal. This is Advent love. Love that is extended to us in the form of a baby. And an invitation to to see and to experience and to participate with God. Bringing into this world through Jesus Christ that baby that Mary was entrusted with. Bringing into the world through Jesus hope and peace, joy, and the love of our Lord. The invitation into this family is given. Mary's response was, let it be with me just as you have said. That hasn't always been my response. But Lord, today, this season, may it be my faithful response. May it be our faithful response this season. Today, the message from God is a reveal. The revelations of God's great love for us that comes pouring forth from his movement toward us. Towards him coming to earth to be with us. Would you pray with me as we close? God, we worship you today. We worship you, uh, the giver of, of good gifts, God. That you reach out, that you extend yourself to us in the form of a baby, and that you invite us to participate with you. To participate with you, just like Mary, to bring Christ to this world that needs you so badly. May our response be like Mary's. Yes. Yes, God, whatever you want to do, use me. I'm available. I'm willing. Help us respond in that way, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. As you're able this morning, would you extend your hands to receive the benediction? Lord, today we Marvel at the gracious gifts which you send to us, which you've been sending for thousands of years. Help us, O God. Help us receive your love. Go in the love of Christ. You're dismissed.